Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. This is Karen Peart of Yale Office of Public Affairs speaking with Dr. Edmund Funai, Associate Professor in the Department of Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Reproductive Sciences at Yale School of Medicine. Dr. Funai, can you tell me about your research and what led you to do this type of work? Sure. Um, as a lot of people know, I think there's a crisis of confidence in American health care right now. And there are numerous reports in the media and in other places of patient injury in the hospital setting. And we thought that we could apply some basic principles to obstetric care to make it a great deal safer than what it is now. Okay. Is obstetric care in general safer than other parts of um, medicine? We would like to think so, but it probably is not the case. Mm -hmm. What it probably is is that m people that are, moms that are having babies are um, younger and in much better health than a, a general inpatient, uh, older geriatric type patient. So we have a more forgiving population, in a sense, than the rest of medicine. So is it safe to say that OBGYN as a specialty is behind as, in far, as far as um, in other special specialties in attempting to improve safety? I think we're, we're late to the party. I do. Um, and that's part of the reason why I got so involved in this. There's been some great work in the field of anesthesia and in cardiology, actually benchmarking care and standardizing care. And some of the work that we're doing and presenting is to try to attempt to do exactly that in obstetrics. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the safety issues in obstetrics? Um, obstetrics is not terribly different as far as the core issues that lead to patient injury from other medical specialties. And far and away, the number one cause of adverse events or patient injury is problems with communication. And communication issues are only going to be on the rise in the sense that, at least with resident trainees, their work hours are now limited. They're handing off patients from shift to shift. More doctors are practicing shift medicine. So there are a lot more, there's a lot more opportunities and need for good communication, and that often is what breaks down. Also, physicians and nurses, while they're expected to work in teams, are trained in silos, and they're never trained to communicate well with each other. So very often when a severe adverse event occurs, somebody on the care team, usually from nursing, had an idea that something bad was coming down the road, but either wasn't trained to communicate effectively or wasn't trained or felt to be empowered to communicate that concern effectively. Mm -hmm. And are these um, adverse events, do they deal with um, medications, administering um, medications improperly? or what The whole spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, it could be a key aspect of the care uh, was not communicated and recognized. It could be medication error. But usually it's more uh, related to a failure to recognize the severity of a given situation or condition. And very often it has to do with the baby and the baby status. Okay. And do the, do you, did your study, for example, look at um, care of the, the pregnant mother or, or also after the baby's, after she's giving birth? It had to do with the antepartum care and the actual delivery and immediate okay. postpartum care. Okay. But not the newborn beyond the first few days. Okay. Okay. And what were some of your um, what were some of your main findings? Um, what we found was that um, if we looked at the gross number of adverse events, uh, 
uh, a, uh, our interventions, which involve communication training, standardizing the way that we uh, interpret fetal monitoring, creating a novel role of a patient safety nurse, we're actually able over about a three-year period to reduce our rate of adverse events by about half. Um, we're also able to impact um, the overall perception of all staff as to what the safety climate was. The, the number of staff that felt we worked in an excellent safety climate and that teamwork was high doubled in that same period based on a uh, survey given by a third party. Okay. Um, so beforehand, um, before implementing those safety uh, measures, um, there was a feeling among the staff that there was... That there was opportunities for much better teamwork, much better communication, and that there were opportunities for preventable injuries um, um, to be mitigated. Mm -hmm. and, and we seized upon that, and I think we're among the leaders in doing that. Okay. Give me an example of um, some a breakdown in communication that might lead to an adverse event. That's a very good question. Um, for example, a mother may have, I'm a perinatologist and we take care of high-risk mothers. A mother may have multiple medical complications and may be in the hospital for several weeks. Over the course of her stay, someone may just delete in a note one of the major problems and it doesn't get attention because notes tend to be repeated and carried over. So having um, a, a third party or a supervisory physician that ensures continuity will make it very less likely that a problem could sort of drop off of everybody's radar screen and not be adequately attended mm -hmm. to. Now, a lot of um, patient medical records, are um, they're going electronic now, or are they all electronic? I wish they were all electronic because I think that's one of many of dozen solutions to help make healthcare safer. Mm -hmm. But currently in the United States, there is no standardized um, electronic medical record. Um, so there's a lot of commercial products out there, and mm -hmm. we use one for the outpatient arena, are in the process of developing and customizing one for the inpatient side, but we're not there yet. Okay. So what are some of the safety, in more specific terms, what are some of the safety measures that um, your, your group has taken um, in, in trying to help improve um, the record? Um, we've standardized the record and we've standardized care. We, we all like to practice evidence-based medicine where we can. Mm -hmm. um, that's a bit of a challenge in obstetrics because the gold standard of evidence is the randomized controlled trial. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to perform such things on pregnant women, understandably so. Um, so it's not the same type of scientific research that's easily taking place in other arenas. Mm -hmm. So where there is no gold standard evidence and there's a wide range of acceptable practice, one of the things that we've chosen to do is just pick one. We don't need 10 different ways to administer a drug like oxytocin, which is used to induce labor. We pick something that was middle of the road um, that everybody would have equal expectations about. And I think that the goal is to really develop what's called a shared mental model. Every staff member and uh, every physician knows what success looks at, what, what rather what success looks like without having to be told. Um, and they all have a clear idea of what steps are necessary to get there. So it's about setting expectations and have everybody being on the same page. Okay. And the overriding theme of this is, is communication among all the players in a patient's um, care. Absolutely. Everything that we can do to 
simplify communication, facilitate communication, take time out to communicate, um, really seems to have a tremendous impact. As, as I was alluding to before, when the Joint Commission looked at root causes of Sentinel events, in over 70% of cases, communication was the leading cause or contributor to patient injury. Okay. And have patients um, expressed um, that they've seen a difference in, in, in the type of care that they receive? I think everybody has noticed a difference. Mm -hmm. um, the care is much more seamless. It's much better organized. Um, the staff feel comfortable, um, more comfortable, which, which translates to a happier, more relaxed environment for the patient. Um, and I think patients for a long time have known that they get high-quality care at Yale, but, but now we have hard data to prove it. Okay, great. Now, is this model being um, replicated at other institutions, or is it only Yale? It is something we all have. Uh, we're, we're part of a consortium, uh, our malpractice carrier, medical professional liability insurance carrier, part of a consortium with five other medical schools, Johns Hopkins, Rochester, Columbia, uh, and Cornell. Um, and we, five of us in total, and we um, all are rolling out a variation of this uh, initiative. It's in partnership with our insurance carrier and the individual hospital. Um, so we've been a little bit more diligent, I think, about collecting some aspects of the data. Okay. Do you think ultimately this will lead into in a reduction in um, rates, insurance rates? It already has. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Because this was designed as a clinical intervention and not a, a research study or, or an experiment, um, it's more difficult to control for confounding variables. But our malpractice rates have also gone down by about half in that period. Now, the, the state legal climate, the national legal climate, a little bit of, of pure dumb luck, I'm sure, is a contributor to that. Um, but if I were to show a slide that showed our malpractice rates superimposed over our adverse event rates and the number of suits filed, they're all pretty much in parallel. Um, society pays a cost for these issues, but so do individual physicians and mm -hmm. institutions like Yale New Haven Hospital. Mm -hmm. Did any part of this surprise you, any part of this um, analysis? I think the, the most surprising part was how simple the interventions were um, and the impact that they had. It takes very little to empower a staff member uh, to impact care, and it really, a good part of the program barred from the airline industry. In the airline industry, any member of the staff, be it a baggage handler uh, on the tarmac, can stop the plane from taking off. And we have a lot of staff uh, across the spectrum from people that help keep the place clean to, to people that provide direct care. And they all have eyes and ears, and they all make good observations. But not all members of the staff are empowered uh, to speak up or to give suggestions. And that sheer fact or that change has made all the difference in the world. And, and also having the physicians realize that communication is a two-way street. When we did our initial survey, um, the doctors thought teamwork was performing much better than any other job category. And it makes sense because of what it takes to be a doctor. The docs see themselves as the captain of the ship. And if everybody follows their orders, everybody's doing, you know, working well as a team. Other members of the staff don't necessarily see it that way. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else um, you'd like to add about the study that you, any? 
main points that you want to get across? I think that if you approach patient safety and obstetrics from a, a comprehensive standpoint, where you simplify communication, empower staff to speak up, standardize care where it's medically neutral, um, and really spend a lot of effort with your staff to make them aware of safety issues, that any organization could have the same type of success that we had. And they don't have to follow the blueprint that we followed. Every place is different. Mm -hmm. um, but empowering the staff and, and dedicating a staff member to be a safety resource um, and to review adverse events so that nothing ever happens without you learning from it can truly be done anywhere. Um, and one last question. Were patients involved in um, coming up with these uh, components? Um, not directly, although feedback from patients in the form of press gainies, mm -hmm. surveys, uh, were absolutely taken into account when we we're looking to focus our energies in one area versus another. We've been speaking with Dr. Edmund Funai, Associate Professor in the Department of Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Reproductive Science at Yale School of Medicine.